there and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us Julie Lowe. Julie is the author of Safeguards, Shielding Our Homes and Equipping Our Kids. And Julie is has a lot of experience. She has a lot of wisdom and insight from being a counselor, um, working specifically in this area as a family counselor, and just learned a lot from her. Um, she talks about the the ultimate goal of parenting is that our children will know the ways of God and walk in that truth. And the idea of helping our children to grow in wisdom and discernment and how their worldview and their understanding of wisdom and how we as parents, we can help shape that um, by giving them opportunities through conversations, through role playing. And uh, yeah, she, you know, she hit a, a few things on and fear and worry are not safety skills. Um, and actually they can be detrimental. The idea that denial is not a safety skill. I think sometimes uh, as a parent, I've went one way or the other, either going uh, fear and worry or denying that there is even a, a danger or a risk there. But she helps us learn and walk in that tension and what the, the true path that we should be on when it comes to those things. Um, the, we talk about one of the greatest fears of parents, that our, our children will um, fall into the hands of a sex offender and um, how we can have a conversation about people that are safe, people that are kind and good. Uh, and you, she uses scripture to back these things up. And so just when, and also what it means to help our children understand um, that sometimes they can tell adults no and giving them the strength and courage to do that. And so just phenomenal to have Julie on the podcast. Appreciate her giving some of her time and letting us learn for her. Put I will put the links to her book in the show notes. And uh, hey, continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and get to learn from Dick and his wisdom and insight. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a new friend of the podcast with us today, Julie Lowe. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Julie, will you go ahead? I've read your book, pondered over it a few times, read a few chapters more than once. Um, so I feel like I know you. Um, but those who have not read the book, um, would you go ahead and just maybe just share a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, before we jump into some of the questions. Sure. Yeah, I am a faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation and outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I'm on faculty and I counsel. Uh, we do teaching, speaking at conferences, um, and obviously writing books as well. So sure. um, I wrote Safeguards, Shielding Our Homes, and Equipping Our Kids as a result. Sure. Would you go ahead and just share a little bit about the council? What did uh, the Christian, I, I missed it. I, I'm normally better the than Christ that. <laughs> it's a mouthful. The Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Yeah. Could you share just a little bit about that for those listening in? Yeah, CCEF is the short way of saying it. Um, okay. CCEF exists to better equip the church for ministry um, mm. and ministries. So mm. um, it could be Christian schools, missions agencies, the church at large. We want to restore Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. Wow. Um, so our goal is really to come up with good resources for ministries in the church at large. Yeah. Amazing. And um, very much appreciate the work you do and um, being on the podcast with us today. So Safeguard, safeguard that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and one of the things that stuck out to me, you share that the ultimate goal of, of parenting is that your children would know the way of God and walk in truth. 
Uh, how does that produce wisdom and discernment in, in our in our children? Yeah, well, um, one of my verses that I use is Hebrews 5.14 that say, uh, but solid food is for the mature, for those who mm. have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Mm. And I think that that lays this beautiful foundation of safety skills that um, kids need to learn to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong, morally ambiguous from mm. Uh, those things that aren't ambiguous, and those things are discernment. So Mm. the world talks about intuition, safety skills, books and resources, uses language of intuition and uh, things like that. But we know, really, it's perception and discernment. Mm. Um, And what does Hebrew say? It says it comes by constant practice to distinguish Mm. good from evil. So there's a a groundwork to say we're raising a generation of kids that don't know good from evil, that are calling evil good and good evil. Um, And the evil is not from uh, just simply outside of us, but it's also from within us as well, that our own Hmm. hearts are prone towards temptation and some of these these hardships. You know, we often think I want to protect my kids from bullies. But never mm. do I imagine my child could actually become a bully wow. or do things that are bullying. Yeah. So it's good from evil in within our own hearts and yeah. our own temptations and also those evil things that come from a broken and fallen world and knowing right from wrong. Wow. And so the more our kids learn to discern, the more we help them practice. Um, and I love that scripture talks about that. Constant yeah. practice produces discernment. It's not a it's not just a gift or a mysterious thing we we get. It's something that we need to equip our young people with. For sure. So you've been a counselor, you have quite a lot of experience. Is discernment, is that something that you've seen changed over the last 10 years? Were children more discerning in the past? Is it a more an acute problem in the present? One perspective on that? How would I answer that? I think I would start by saying what's changed is um, the increasing the increasing godless influence on our children, the inability mm. to distinguish now good from evil. evil. Okay. I think that's becoming more ambiguous and hard for our young people. Yeah. Um, so that would be the first thing I say. And then I say parents are becoming more distracted and we're less involved in equipping our kids with discernment. Mm. And I think we assume that they'll somehow pick up on this rather than say, I need to be actively teaching my kids and equipping them to be discerning. That's good. No, I appreciate that very, very much. And that kind of leads me into my my the next question. You, you also share that young people being their own source of wisdom um, impacts their worldview and their understanding of wisdom. And so what does that like look like when young people become their, their own source of wisdom? I guess we have Dr. Google and we can Google a lot of things. I don't know if that's it or, but yeah, their own source of wisdom. How does that, how does that impact yeah, I think it's an age-old problem when kids hit uh, adolescence and even before that where they rely on their peers for what's right and good. And uh, there's something very typical about that struggle. But what I would say is atypical is, again, I think young people are growing up in cultures where social media, technology, 
it used to be kids would go to school and they'd be, we'd see that peer pressure and that influence, but then they'd come home to their parents. They'd be involved in church or, you know, different social contexts. But now kids will literally go from school back home online on social media and they are becoming their own source of wisdom. So it's 24 seven kids are influencing each other, social media, culture, um, influencers online, uh, gaming online, whatever it might be, the the encroachment of other voices into our children's life. And usually it's peer-on-peer influence, but it's cultural influence in ways that are slowly pushing out or very quickly, rapidly pushing out any adult, godly adult influence. So the more time kids are actually online is the more I think peers uh, are influencing each other more and more, and they become their own source of wisdom. Wow. So parents listening into this, they might live in a place where their kids don't have, or they have inter- their interaction is only through media. What what wisdom mm-hmm. and advice, if parents recognize what you just shared, but they don't know what to do about it, they don't know how to respond to it, they don't know how to engage with it, other than saying, don't do that. Um, I don't I don't know what, what parents would say. Um, I've said, don't do that. Um, so I, I can I own that yep. one. Um, but what, how do you encourage parents when they want to engage with what you've just described? Well, I think it makes us as parents just more aware that we need to be actively involved in our children's lives and what they're doing. So the answer isn't just to get rid of all social media or online activity, though I think we should limit it and we should be more aware and cautious of it. Um, Though that's not the solution. The solution is I need to be an influence in my child's life and I need to actively pursue them and actively pursue relationship and a, a loving, good relationship where they'll want my influence um, so it's twofold. It's, it's one is I have got to pursue my children regularly, relationally. Um, and then the second is I need to be very aware of the influences that are winning a voice in their life. Hmm. Wow. Very, very challenging. Very, very challenging. Um, yeah, our lives just seem to seem to get busier and busier. Um, but that intentionality for sure as parents, you, you share about yeah. fear and worry. And that fear and worry are not safety skills. And and actually, they could be detrimental. Can you just share some more about that, about fear and worry? And um, that, yeah, that they're not they're not what we're trying to put into our children's lives for safety Accomplish. skills. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not for, for nothing that Scripture doesn't bring it up, what, 366 <laughs> times to fear not. And it's one of the most important things that are said over and over again in Scripture. Um, so why is that? Well, I think one is it, it speaks to our tendency to worry, our tendency to, to live by fear, and that ultimately we trust God as our source of wisdom, our source of protection, our source of hope, that His presence is always the answer and the solution. Um, but that said, um, worry does nothing but project into the future. Worry blurs mm-hmm. our ability to see clearly, where perception and discernment actually see what's occurring now. So worry is very future-oriented, the what-ifs. What if my child's harmed? What if my child's abused? What if this happens? Um, so worry projects into the future, while genuine discernment and perception sees what's actually occurring now. It learns to evaluate the landscape of what's happening in front of them. Um, and that's that's the skill we want kids to learn. That's the skill we want parents to have. 
Um, so for example, I, I've, I've read in other resources and books, you have the example of a, a parent who, or somebody who worries about getting on a plane and they worry about the plane crashing. It's all the what ifs. It's just a generalized what if, um, looking to the future, anticipating anxieties where genuine concern is when I notice the pilot stumbling out of a bar drunk, <laughs> then you should really be afraid. Why? Because sure. that's a genuine um, yeah. perception. It's a genuine discerning of what's happening in the moment. Yeah. So when we teach kids to be afraid of strangers or to be afraid of everybody, they lose the ability to discern and be perceptive because now the world's unsafe. Everybody's unsafe. And that's not that's not equipping them for anything. It's actually handicapping them uh, from the very thing we're trying to protect them from. Wow. So does that, that the fear and worry, does that, is that because we want to control things or is there, is it more complex than just, we want control? Um, you gave the analogy of, of the airplane. Is that because we're not in right. control when they're on the airplane and we have fear and worry or is it more complex? It probably it's more complex, but anyway, I thought I'd at least ask the question. Yeah. Well, I think as a parent, uh, I want to keep my kids safe. And I sure. think keeping them safe means limiting them or making them aware of every danger. Um, and our kids, two things happen. One is we'll raise fearful kids, uh, which again, it will handicap them from being equipped to go out into the world and function. Um, or our kids learn to ignore us and write us off because mm. uh, we're afraid of everything. So we end up, our kids will either uh, think us incompetent or irrelevant, or we will do the very same damage we're trying to protect them from. Wow. So I think in the best case scenario, parents are trying to keep their kids safe, but we're doing it in all the wrong ways. And we, yeah. we think uh, the other extreme is denial. We don't yeah. want to talk about these hard things because we're afraid of raising fearful kids. We're teaching them skills, making them aware does not raise fearful kids. It raises competent, confident kids. If hmm. I'm equipping my kids to know what to do if they're lost, to know what to do if they're approached by people with inappropriate requests, if I teach them to pay attention to things that make them uncomfortable and learn to evaluate those things, I'm raising competent, equipped kids who will learn how to navigate social situations well, uh, rather than go into them blindly and not know what to do. Yeah. So basically, there's kind of opposite extremes there. There's fear and worry, and there's denial. So is it like you're hypervigilant and maybe, I don't know, just not paying attention at all or per, per choosing not to pay attention at all? Um, so is it more trying to find a middle ground between those two areas and walking in that tension or is that not, not the place to be either? Um, I think as a parent, I'll always have concerns for my kids, but I'm not driven by those things. I'm driven by what does God say I need to do to yeah. my children, to raise them, to know good from evil. And then I, I put them in the Lord's hands because sure. ultimately my job is faithfulness to parenting hmm. and it's God's job then and my child's job to move forward in life and do what's right. They're moral responders. They'll choose the right way or the wrong way. And that's between them and the Lord. Our job is to parent our children faithfully and before the Lord and to equip hmm. them to know right and wrong, to know what to do should there be in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Um, and then I've got to trust the Lord with them. Yeah, no, it's 
Very, very, very valuable. Um, talking about fears, uh, I think one of the greatest, well, maybe, yeah, one of the greatest fears as a parent is that our child will fall into the hands of, of a sex offender. Um, how can we grow in our understanding of this and that it that it is a real danger, lies there, but how can we not live in fear at the same time, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think the more we help our kids to uh, pay attention. So, for example, stranger danger, you know, we've heard that over and over in the years. One of the things I say to my kids is strangers aren't dangerous. Dangerous people are dangerous. Now, how mm. do you know if somebody's dangerous? Mm. You know by their words and their actions. And dangerous people can be strangers or they can be people you know. As a matter of fact, you're more likely to come across somebody you know who puts you in dangerous situations than people you don't know. And we start wow. by giving examples of their peer group and friends. And mm. um, I regularly tell my children um, and teach this that you don't teach kids to evaluate character because people hide their their intentions. Deception is all over scripture that the deceptive person presents mm. himself one way while lives secretly another way. So we teach kids evaluate uh, behavior, not character. Evaluate hmm. behavior and words. And that's the constant practice that Hebrews is talking about. Discernment comes by constant practice. So when kids are young, we're teaching them, did your sibling do what's right and good or what's hmm. wrong? Did your friend ask you to do what's right or good or what's wrong? Um, and so we'll say to our, our young people, if somebody tells you the right thing to do, you should always listen. It doesn't matter who it is. So whether it's a teacher or a parent or a grandparent or a coach or a peer or a younger sibling or the family dog, I'll yeah. often joke with my kids, <laughs> if somebody's telling you the right thing to do, you should always listen. Sure. You should always listen. And likewise... If somebody tells you the wrong thing to do, you never have to listen and we will support you. So mm. why is that important to say? Because I spend a majority of my parenting teaching my children to obey and comply. Yeah. But there are the exceptions. And that is if somebody ever tells you the wrong thing to do, you never need to obey and comply. And mm. as parents, we will support you. And then I have to be very specific and use people they know. I need to use their grandparents. I need to use aunts and uncles. I need to use teachers and coaches. Because if I'm a good parent, I'm hopefully regularly putting my kids in positions where they're around good adults who are telling them the right thing to do. But I also then need to demonstrate that an adult may tell you the wrong thing to do and you never have to listen and we will support you. And then my kids will notoriously say things like, well, what if we don't know it's the wrong thing to do? Sure. And I love that question because now you're getting kids to think and process and evaluate. And so I'll say to my kids, well, give me an example. And they'll come up with all kinds of great examples to stump me. Well, what if they <laughs> want me to go somewhere with them and I don't know it's the wrong thing to do? I'm like, well, that's a great question, buddy. Then go find another adult and tell another adult. Or here's somebody to ask. If, you, if I'm not around, here's who you should ask. What are we doing? Constant practice, as Hebrew says. Discernment comes with constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So when things are morally ambiguous, when things are not, when things seem gray and not clear, I practice, I role yeah. play, I teach, I get them the question authority in all the right ways. And I say to them, if you're not sure, go find another adult. And if you're still not sure, and you, in a good faith effort, say no, and you don't do what an adult asks you to do because you think it's wrong, we'll support you, and yeah. we'll figure it out later. 
Wow. What am I teaching them? I'm teaching kids to discern, not just to blanketly obey. Sure. You know, um, I could go in 50 different ways, but I, it brings back to memory. My, I won't, I won't tell them which child, but one of my children at their school, they had the, the uh, stranger danger presentation and they came home. We talked about it. And then uh, within an hour, they were, you know, we, I was mowing the grass and I looked down at, onto the road and somebody was going up and down the road saying they were looking for a lost cat. Um, and my kids went up, they wanted to help, but it's that obey and comply. And I had, you know, I've taught my kids, you be respectful to adults, you obey, you ask what they do. So it just really resonated with me when you said that, you know, we teach them to obey and comply, but then at the same time being discerning, um, it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, parenting is, is it's not easy, and I'm sure being a kid's not easy either. Um, so it's just but walking through those those practices. Um, so what does it look like? How do you teach your kids in a respectful way to say no to an adult? Does that make is that yeah. is that a fair question? Well, uh- yeah, you start when they're young. So you know, we would role play. I'll, I'll, I'll give a great example. Our two young daughters, uh, when they were around four and five, we start role playing things like, hey, little girl, I've lost my puppy. Can you help me find them? Or hmm. I have candy in my car. Would you yeah. like some? Um, and they notoriously would say yes and go running towards me. And I would say no. And I would stop and practice. And I'd say, no, here's what you should say. You should say, I, no, I need to go ask my mom first. Hmm. And then we'd practice. And they would cave. And then we'd practice. And eventually they caught on. And they re- realized I was playing the game. And one of them would look at me and go, oh, no, I got to go ask my mommy first. <laughs> and I would say, good, good job. And so yeah. we were role playing. Yeah. Um, and one of my daughters one time, her response back to me is, well, what kind of candy was it? <laughs> so there, this is, this is actually a great example of yeah. she was willing to bargain like, well, I could be bought. I could be bought off. Tell me what kind of candy is it now? And so the neat thing about that is I wasn't just seeing where she could fall to temptation of being yeah. uh, abused or kidnapped. I was also seeing her own heart. Uh, in that. And that's a great example of how our own temptations can lead us astray. And so mm. when we role play with our kids, we see where their vulnerabilities lie. We see yeah. where their own temptations lie. We see what maybe we never would have thought of what that could trip them up. Um, and that's so important to do because no matter how many times you do it with your children, if they feel safe and protected, and if they've never been around adults who may abuse them or mistreat them, they still won't believe it'll happen. They're still going to lend themselves to being trusting and indiscriminate of adults. So hmm. I don't think we'll ever over role play. Um, okay. We usually under role play. Um, we usually don't practice enough. And so I like to use everyday activities with their peers. So when they see their peers doing something bad and I'll say, hey, was that good and right or is that wrong to do? Hmm. So why do you think they chose to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing? So they're learning that skill of evaluation with other people. Sure. And the hope is that when the time comes, it'll translate into their own life. They would have had enough role playing with their parents that they'll say, hey, mom and dad taught me not to go alone with people I don't know or not to go alone with even cousins, older cousins or relatives. So I should stop and ask myself, why do they want me to go down to the basement by myself with them? What should I do sure. about that? Also learn mom and dad aren't afraid of talking about the hard stuff. So if somebody mm. is inappropriate with them, 
they're more likely to come and share it because they know that mom and dad know these things happen. They've practiced with us. They've rolled okay. with us. It won't surprise them. Yeah. And so having those comments, that idea of parents not wanting to have the hard conversations, any wisdom and insight on role playing? Is there other keys on how that parents can learn to have those difficult conversations? Because maybe their parents didn't have them with them and maybe they've never had an yeah. adult role model to them what it is to have the, the difficult conversations um, and say so they just don't really know where to start. And they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, they're afraid of oversharing yeah. or telling too much. Um, could you just share a little bit about that for us? Yeah, I, I think um, you've hit the nail on the head that a lot of parents are uncomfortable with hard topics like abuse or even teaching their kids about sex, things like that. And if we're not teaching our kids about godly views of sexuality, we're certainly going to have a hard time talking about sexual abuse and the sure. way it's corrupted. And so you and I, even when we're uncomfortable, we've got to model being comfortable with any hard topic to our children. And that means we bring it up to them. We hmm. talk about, hey, guys, have you ever seen anybody mistreated? Has anybody ever touched you in ways that made you uncomfortable? We start with questions like that because then we're setting up, oh, that could happen. Hmm. And if it does, mom and dad want us to do this. And when I'm uncomfortable, when I don't even know how to broach the subject, that's where really good books um, okay. and there are child appropriate books for any level from young children to teenagers I start reading books with them, or I, I talk about it around the dining room table. We have conversations. Has anybody ever told you secrets that made you uncomfortable? Uh, have any of your friends ever struggled with drugs and alcohol or bullying? Like, have you guys ever noticed somebody bullying somebody else at school or at church or in your local community? I bring up the hard topics so that the kids know that we understand this can happen. And yeah. what would you do if you were the one being bullied? What would you do if you were the one that somebody offered you a, a picture on mm. your phone um, and it was somebody who was naked? Like, I've got a model that I expect those things might happen to our kids. And here's what we'd want you to do. Here's the right yeah. thing to do. So yeah. you can use resources, you can use books, or you can just ask those questions. Yeah, that's... No, it's very good. And is there is the, the idea of a parent worried about oversharing? Like, I'm going to put this thought in in their mind. And, and honestly, the thing that I'm thinking of is parents talking about suicide. And so if they, yeah. they're afraid, if I have a discussion that somehow I'm going to plant that seed in their mind, and then in your wisdom, experience, and your professional, is that a possibility? Is that something parents should be concerned about? Uh, or are they back to the, the idea of sexual images or pornography. If they talk about pornography, my kids are now going to be interested in pornography and they're going to go seek it out. Is Are those valid concerns or, or is that fear-based? Uh, well, I would say it's fear-based, but the validity is in their peers talking to them about it first because peers okay. will what romanticize things like suicide True. or sexuality. And so it's whose voice are they listening to? If I bring up a topic, I would far, I would much rather be proactive in teaching my kids about a subject than reactive. Okay. And they're going to hear it from somewhere. And the question is, will it be a redemptive voice? So when I talk to my kids about suicide, I'm not going to talk about it in a way that glamorizes it or makes it appealing to them. I'm going to talk about the way it hurts others mm. around them or the way it doesn't give hope. Or if you're ever really feeling sad and depressed, here's five people who you mm. can always talk to who can hear what's going on in your heart. 
where peers are going to romanticize or fantasize, where if they go online, people, you know, there's even examples online of people giving your kids five ways they could commit suicide Mm -hmm. and why it's so good. And if you do it, here's, here's, you'll be in the newspapers and they glamorize Mm -hmm. it and memorialize people in ways that make it appealing. You and I will never talk about it that way. We'll talk about it in ways that I would miss you. It would break our hearts. You you have hope, you have meaning, you have value and identity. So it's far better for me to proactively shape my child's view of a subject than to try to go back and debunk in an accurate view because they will be hearing about these things somewhere. The question yeah. is, will it have any redemptive uh, perspective in it? Yeah, it's good. And so one of the statistics I think there are that I've my understanding is that at least in the missions world, um, what's a large portion of the audience listening in is living overseas. Um, one thing that we're confronted with is there's a large, there's an increase. I don't want to say large, there's an increase in children harming other children. And so how can, how can we, how can we walk with our children so that they're they're being a safe person themselves? Because a lot of the conversation has been about how to how do our children discern safe uh, safe people? Or how do they discern if this is good and right or good and kind? Or they, they're 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 asking me to do something but bad. But how can we have those same conversations? Is this, is it the same thing role playing or is it a good thing to have those conversations? Just the thought just came to mind. Yeah, that's all true. I mean, that's why. Uh... When I write safeguards, I also talk about we need to protect our children from the evil within as well, because mm-hmm. our own hearts are deceptive. Our own hearts are prone to wander. We're we're prone to be tempted. And with yeah. technology, there is a door into our children's lives of all kinds of temptations and evils that they never would have had before. So pornography is increasing greatly not even because all of our children are going out looking for it, but because it's looking for our children and they're being exposed to it. And if as parents, we're not aware of those things, um, then we're not talking about those things to our kids. So our kids are seeing graphic images, they're seeing videos, they're seeing inappropriate content, and they don't know what to do with it. They have nobody processing it. And the temptation then is that they want to act it out somewhere. And so you see them turning to their own peer groups or sometimes their own siblings to act out the very things they're being exposed to, Um, which is why we've got to even share with our kids. If you're seeing images, it's not if, but when you see these things, what do you Mm. do with them? Who should you talk to? What's the temptation? Um, And what would happen if you ever acted that out on somebody else and the harm it could do? You have to have those conversations. But I'm not talking in horrible ways that shame them. I'm not talking in um, high emotion. I'm talking just like I'm talking to you now. There's a matter of factness about people. You will be exposed to inappropriate content. And how Mm -hmm. do you guard your own heart? How do you guard your eyes? Who should you tell? What should you do if somebody ever sends you a naked picture? Mm. Um, you should delete it right away. You should come tell one of us. We'll never be upset with you. We'll talk it through. And you're helping them understand that, of course, there's something natural about being curious, mm-hmm. but how it can hurt you if you take it in certain directions. Those conversations just, we have to have them like everyday talk um, yeah. so that our kids know that we understand what they're facing. Yeah. And so you do share in the book some conversations that key conversations that every parent should have um, with their children. We've talked about some of them. Are there, are there ones that I've missed that you think, hey, those that's another key conversation that you would think parents should have? 
Well, the um, there's lots of depending on where children are developmentally. You know, sure. I'm talking about things like bullying and and pictures and movies and guarding their heart, but that whole skill of learning good from evil and discernment, evaluating behavior, that that goes no matter what age group your child is at. And it's never too late to start. Even if your children are teenagers or if they're 10 years old, teaching them in developmentally appropriate ways to evaluate, to ask questions. And a key thing as well is when kids feel uncomfortable, especially grooming behaviors, when somebody's grooming a child to feel comfortable around them, kids don't have the ability to see what's going on in somebody's heart. They don't know it's deceptive. They don't Mm. know anything inappropriate is going on. But if I give kids freedom to be uncomfortable and I say, if you're ever uncomfortable, we want to know why we want to, we, we want you to come tell us, we want you to tell us what's going on. And then we'll help you understand if uncomfortable means this person's doing something bad or if you're just not comfortable with it. So I always give the example um, of hugging grandma Okay. You know, grandma might want you to hug her and you're uncomfortable. Well, my question would be, are you uncomfortable because grandma smells like mothballs and it's just not fun <laughs> hugging grandma? And if so, if so, then how do you evaluate that? Well, love moves towards somebody. Sure. Um, but if you're uncomfortable because grandma is like touching your rear end or she's yeah. rubbing you or making you sit on her lap, if that's why you're uncomfortable, well, that's inappropriate. And sure. we we want you to pay attention to that and always listen. So I'm teaching kids that there's going to be times you're uncomfortable and uncomfortable isn't necessarily a bad thing, Yeah, but you do want to notice. You always want to stop and say, when is somebody making you uncomfortable? And it's a warning sign. And when is somebody I'm making you uncomfortable just because they're awkward, socially yeah. awkward or They don't know social boundaries and love moves towards them. Well, kids will always know that. So I don't want them to dismiss it completely, nor do I want them to always avoid anybody that makes them uncomfortable. I want to give them the skill of discerning and evaluating. So I've got a model. This person made us uncomfortable today. What do you think was going on? Or, Mm. hey, at church, that person was acting awkward. What, What do you think was going on? And I'm teaching them to evaluate That's where everyday life, that's Deuteronomy 6, wherever we are, we're teaching our kids, we're evaluating. And that uncomfortable could be a good thing or uncomfortable could be a bad thing, but it's always okay to stop and evaluate it. Grooming. You mentioned grooming. For maybe someone's listening in, that's a new word for them or a new idea or they don't know much about it. Could you just take a minute or two? What what did, when you mean, when you said grooming, what did you mean by that? Yeah. So when uh, somebody is looking to abuse a child, they will often use things called grooming techniques. And that's warming up to a child, ways of getting that child comfortable with them. Um, And they're setting the stage. So it could be being really friendly and gracious and kind and all the things that you and I would, would find appealing about somebody but they have evil intention behind it. So it's not easily noticeable at first. It's special attention. It could be gifts. It could be a lot of praise and affirmation. But then we slowly see it move move into things like um, uh, inappropriate affection or just affection in general. You know, you're hugging, you're um, giving a kiss on the cheek, you're slowly... Uh, looking for ways to spend time alone with that child or that Mm. student. And so it's a slippery slope because 
good caring adults will be kind and gracious and affirming and flattering to kids. But at some point it crosses the line and inappropriate things start happening, inappropriate conversations, inappropriate affection. But children, because it was a slow progress or process, children feel like now somehow they're complicit in it Hmm. or they can't tell when it's crossed the line. And so if you help young people to understand that when somebody makes you uncomfortable, it's okay calling it uncomfortable. I'm not saying they're abusing me. I'm not saying they're doing anything bad. So it's that weird, that weird gray area of kids saying, well, I don't think they did anything wrong, but it made me uncomfortable. And as an adult, I always want to hear it. I always Mm. want to hear when somebody makes you uncomfortable because I might be able to pick up on the warning signs before they can. Um, And I want to say, you know what, that person made you uncomfortable because maybe they were being a little too touchy-feely with you. And maybe because they were asking you to spend more time alone with them and something, some like red flag went off in your head. They didn't actually do anything morally wrong that you can point to. But they certainly were crossing a line and make you uncomfortable. And I'm teaching my kids, it's okay to pay attention to that. It's okay to say, hey, you're making me uncomfortable. And I'm giving them the language and the words to speak so that they're never gone too far down a road of grooming. Yeah. Um, Insightful. And Julie, I really appreciate you being on the podcast with us today and just your sharing your wisdom and your experience and just helping give us tools. Um, we'll put links to your book in the show notes. Um, it give it it helped me, it gave me language about how to have conversations. It gave me language to have um the, the conversations and then to have the courage to have them. I think sometimes, you know, you, you wonder, you know, as parents, the the manual, I don't know how, where the manual's at, but I've looked for it. Um, and sometimes you just need some encouragement to, to have the conversations and know that you're on the right path. And the other thing I really appreciated about your book is this, the continual reference to scripture. And um, you have a lot of wisdom and insight, but you continually reference scripture and how scripture encourages us to do this. And as, as believers, we're f- for following, you know, the words uh, of, of the Bible and that, you know, it just solidifies it even more. So I really appreciate you. Would you pray for us today that God will use your wisdom and insight in this conversation to encourage um, people around the world? Sure. Be happy to Let's pray. Lord, you are the giver of all wisdom and discernment. And we want to we want to be bold in raising ch- children who walk in truth, who know good from evil, um, and who are discerning and wise, who uh, know how to be safe, but also how to trust you for their safety. Lord, would you be a very present help in time of trouble? Would you guard our kids, uh, guard their hearts and their minds, Lord, and give us wisdom to know how to do this well. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.